You're listening to the Hard Men Podcast, reclaiming biblical masculinity in a world of softness. Well, welcome to the Hard Men Podcast. My name is Eric Kahn. I'll be your host today. And we're going to be talking about the masculine virtue of physical strength. As a young man, Teddy Roosevelt was frail, weak, and often plagued by asthma attacks that prevented him from leaving his bedroom. He was warned by his doctors against a life of exertion. He was told not to engage in activities so mild as climbing the stairs. Now, while it could have turned him into an immobilized, self-pitying victim, Teddy's physical limitations became the single most significant catalyst in shaping the kind of rugged man he would become. Teddy's father was concerned about his son's frail body and his sickly health. And so, as any good father would do, he sat him down for a heart-to-heart early in Teddy's childhood. And he told him this. He said, Theodore, you have the mind, but you do not have the body. And without the body, the mind cannot go as far as it should. You must make your body. It is hard drudgery to make one's body but I know you will do it. Now that's exactly what Teddy did. He visited the gym daily to lift weights, to box and to spar, and to beat his body into submission. Later in life, he'd build his own home gym. He'd walk everywhere at an excruciatingly torrid pace. He'd fight in the military. He'd work long, dogged hours on a Montana cattle ranch. Like his father, Teddy recognized he embraced a fundamental truth. And I want you men to hear this today. One of the core virtues of masculinity is physical strength. It takes great discipline. It takes arduous, persistent work to cultivate. And it is a virtue that you need to pursue. Hear me, every man has the responsibility to make his own body. Not so long ago, men were measured by their ability to look another man in the eye and deliver a firm handshake. And in some parts of the country, especially if you're in rural working-class America, this tradition still holds true. As it turns out, the masculine way of sizing one another up is more than simply a cultural tradition. In fact, research demonstrates that grip strength is a key marker of overall physical strength in men. Now, what's interesting is that grip strength in men has drastically plummeted since around 1985. Men's chests are smaller in size. This is a scientifically proven fact. And upper body strength is on the rapid decline as well. Men are overall physically weaker and softer than ever. The natural result is a generation of fragile men. And there's a connection between their physical bodies and the same men who shirk responsibility. They prolong singleness. They engage in sex outside of marriage. And they fail to lead in their homes or communities. The glaring problem in the Christian community is that we become functionally Gnostic. Our stance toward physical strength is Exhibit A. We've embraced the lie that only the spiritual realm really matters, not the bodily and the physical. As long as a man holds regular quiet times every morning, who cares if he's 300 pounds? 
And in many churches, especially in the South and especially in the Southern Baptist Convention, it's fine if you're a 300-pound pastor railing against men who are workaholics or drink too much alcohol. The church has accepted the notion that godly masculinity is merely academic. It's merely intellectual or theological, but it is profoundly not physical. Unsurprisingly, you're unlikely to hear a sermon from an evangelical pastor, many of whom are either frail or obese, about the moral excellence of real physical masculine strength. Flabby itself, the church is in no shape to address the weakening of the bodies in the body of Christ. Now, by the way, as I've spoken about before, it's the soft man in the pulpit that's one of the core reasons why men are flocking away from the church today. If the pulpit really does lead the world, and that's what Melville said, then blame and change must also start here. What the church so desperately needs, and what our culture needs, are masculine pastors who value physical strength and they manifest discipline and self-control over their own bodies. Those who stop telling men that any interest in physical strength is idolatry. Now make no mistake, what we're after and what the Bible calls men to pursue is a full-orbed masculinity. It's a masculinity that encompasses character, body, and mind. We need strong minds, we need strong virtue, morals, and we need physically strong bodies to be the men that God called us to be. I want you to hear that again. You need a physically strong body to be the man that God has called you to be. When he went to college, Teddy Roosevelt's father gave him instructions that typify this whole person view of masculinity. He said this, take care of your morals first, your health next, and finally, your studies. Now it's important at this point that we ask the question, what is strength for? You see, men's bodies are characterized by muscles that when trained, become hard. This is one of the main differences between men and women. The typical male has 75% more muscle than women Again, scientific physiological fact, and 90% greater upper body strength. You see, a man's physiology and his talos, or his aim, they are tied together. A man shouldn't just pursue strength. He should also know what his strength is for. Primarily, man's hardened strength is for two things, work and protection. Genesis 2.15 clues us into this reality. It says this, The Lord God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work and to keep. So you've got these twin virtues for men, these twin talos aim pursuits. Men are made to be workers and men are made to keep. That is to protect the garden. You see, strength isn't just meant for vanity. It's not meant for that. It's obviously what the gym bros have in mind when trying to catch the perfectly angled, sweat-glistening selfie during a staged tricep pull-down. Trust me, we've all seen it if you've been to the gym, and it's pathetic. Strength isn't meant for this, and it's also not meant for bullying or oppressing the weak. Right? We see this picture in Biff Tannen. If you're a fan of Back to the Future, 
right? Remember in the 1950s scene when he's assaulting Lorraine and he's picking on the ultra nerdy George McFly. Hello, McFly! Instead, strength is meant for fueling a man's work, which is necessarily a work of cultivation, making things grow and be fruitful. And he needs strength to harness a plow or to sow seeds for 70 hours a week. He needs real physical strength to pull a newborn calf from its mother. He needs real physical strength to swing an axe for hours on end or to weld a radiator late at night, to harvest timber on a steep mountainside, or to operate a gas pipeline during a long 12-hour night shift. You see, men need strength to quarter an elk, to haul the meat back to the truck, to skin a bear. All of these things require strength. Men also need strength to play with their little ones or wrestle with their boys. They need real physical strength to make love to their wife after working, backbreaking shifts all day long. You see, a man's back was made to carry the load of responsibility. This is what it means to be a man. And for that, you need real, actual, physical strength. Now, along with work, man's strength, as we said, is for being a warrior. Men's strength is made for being a warrior. It's for killing wolves. It's for pulling triggers. It's for driving spears through the guts of a home invader. Strength is needed to defend both home and country. Men are made to spill their bloods to protect their people. This is how they give life to the community. This is what they're made for. And throughout history, we see this. The role of men is to be in roles of combat, to protect, to fight. A man should be physically capable of killing another man with his own hands in defense of his own person, family, or home. He should be able to do the same with a firearm. What I want to do now is look at some of the benefits of strength. How does it benefit you as a man? Well, first, strength is a masculine virtue that enables a man to execute his God-ordained duty to work and to protect. Right? That's what we've been talking about just now. Second... Strength gives a man the confident posture he needs to navigate the world with skill. Jordan Peterson, in his book, 12 Rules for Life, was right about this. Men need to stand up straight and put their shoulders back and then be assertive. That's what they need to do if they're going to exercise godly dominion in the world. Right? As Peterson points out, your physical posture matters when it comes to virtue. They're connected. Now, for such a task of dominion, you need physical strength, which breeds confidence, assertiveness, and courage, right? They all play off each other. If you're weak, you lack confidence, you lack assertiveness, and you lack courage. The point is that your physical strength and bodily posture directly impact your ability as a man to shape the dirt of the earth into something useful, to build households and to shape culture to extend the kingdom of God in the real physical world, or simply to have that tough conversation, to go up to the girl you like and ask her out, or to have the stones to start that business. The physical condition of your body has a direct bearing on absolutely all of that. You see, it turns out my mother knew exactly what she was doing when she told me as a young boy, Eric, stand up straight and quit slouching. 
Mom was really onto something. It was an essential lesson in manhood. Now third, physical strength makes a man attractive to a woman. You might laugh at this, but like honey's to be, there's no amount of Christianized, over-spiritualized Gnosticism that can erase the simple fact of our physiological design. Strength is attractive, weakness is a repellent, right? There's so many guys who say, well, I just can't get the girl. That's because being a nice wimp doesn't get you the girl. So first, you should find a woman that you're physically attracted to. And ladies, I'd say the same thing to you. He should be physically attractive to you. He should be able to better your station by being with him. It's not the only quality that you want to take into consideration, but physical appearance is important. It does matter. And you should take that into consideration. Now, men, hear me out on this one. If you want to attract said highly attractive woman, here's a little tip. You should begin by pursuing physical strength in close connection with moral and mental strength. So many guys, right? They're fat, they're overweight, they dress like slobs, and they say, well, I want to be with the supermodel. Okay, well, here's the deal. Unless you've got gobs of money, that's not going to happen, bro. There are a number of ways that you can get strong, and we'll talk about that in a minute. You could join a gym. You could sign up for a rugby league. Or you could work a job on a ranch for the summer that is physically demanding. Watch the food that goes into your mouth, make good choices, and work hard with your body. I promise you, as you get physically fit, you will be more attractive to the right kind of woman. Now trust me, there's a reason no fantasy romance novels are written about portly office workers who can't muster the strength to operate a stapler. At least none that I'm aware of. A woman may settle for a loafy muffin of a man, but probably only because she feels she can do no better, or he's rich or powerful or some combination of the two. This leads me to the fourth point, which is this. Physical strength earns a man respect from his male peers. Right? If you want to earn the respect of your male co-workers or your peers, you must be a man in pursuit and possession of some degree of physical strength. If you're weak and you can't keep up with those putting in a hard day's hand labor, then it's something you need to work on. You need to get better, right? You need to put in sweat equity. Get yourself some calloused hands and a strong back. Now, the point is to start where you are. Wherever you are, just start. Start today. When he left New York as a young man, Teddy Roosevelt hailed from an upper crusty part of society. Right? It was a part of society that was stigmatized as both effeminate and intellectual and soft. As a result, he was seen as this Harvard man of incredible softness. People expected that he would have political ambitions and that these would save him from anything resembling hard work. I think one of the main shaping influences of Teddy's life was his father who opted out of fighting in the Civil War. That scarred Teddy and he said, I, I don't want to be that kind of man. So Teddy recognized a deficiency in himself. What did he do? He said, look, I'm, I'm physically weak. So he headed west to work on a ranch and to harden himself. He said, as all men must, I need to discipline myself to get hard. And when he returned, it's interesting, his frail body was gone. The man who returned, he oozed rugged masculinity. 
and he possessed a thick neck, a barrel chest, and calloused hands. More than that, his physical transformation resulted in an emboldened character, and he had, most importantly, a sense of gravitas as a strong leader. Inevitably, men and women around the country began to revere him, and they pointed to these real physical characteristics that seemed to be also shaping the man's morality and virtue. Here's the point I want you to take away from this. Men who actively pursue and possess physical strength, to whatever extent you are able, you will gain respect from other men. This is the way the world works. We can over-spiritualize it, we can pretend it's not real, but men respect physical strength. It's a fact of nature. This is never more clear than on a crew of men in a profession that requires heavy doses of hand labor. And you can think of firemen, you can think of the armed forces, you can think of police officers, construction crews, mining crews. Any profession like that, a man with drive and with strength and with solid work ethic is going to be respected. Now, on the other hand, a lazy, frail, or obese man is not respected. You can like that, you can not like that, but it's a fact of nature, just like gravity. If you want respect from other men and from women, you need to work on strengthening your body. Now, the last thing I want to do is look at a few practical ways that men can make their bodies. Just like Teddy Roosevelt's dad told him to do, how can you make your body? First, you can make a regimented, disciplined plan for physical exercise and make these part of your regular routine. Just have a plan and stick to it. You can sign up for a gym. You can get a trainer. There's tons of free workout plans that you can download from online. Now, here's what I would recommend. You should focus on a mix of both heavy lifting of weights and high-intensity cardio, right? So you don't want to be a cardio bunny. The point is not to ride the bike, the recumbent bike, or to be on a treadmill for three hours a day. That's effeminate. Don't do it. You need to mix cardio, running, riding your bike, walking really fast, lift some heavy weights, and get into cardio. Go for a hike. Put on a heavy backpack and burn some calories that way, climb some mountains, etc. The other thing is, right, we're in a lockdown. Unless you're in Minneapolis breaking into Planet Fitness, you're going to be at your home. And so I would recommend, there's a lot of plans for body weight exercises, right? Push-ups, pull-ups. It's very, very simple and they're highly effective. This is what most, even of the Navy SEALs, this is what these guys are doing as part of their buds training. Right? They're doing tons of push-ups, tons of sit-ups. So you don't need to invest a lot of money. There's a ton of plans that you can find. I've Over the years, I've used stuff from bodybuilding.com and other places. There's tons of great resources on, on Twitter, people that you can follow. Now, the most important thing, man, I want you to hear me on this, is start wherever you are and make steady improvements. I've had so many guys say to me, man, I'm just discouraged because I'm overweight. Dude, that's okay. Right. I remember being in college, I was 200 pounds. And if you know me, I'm like 5'8". So 200 pounds at 5'8", no muscle. I was a fatty. Right. I went to college. I had no discipline. I got super fat. Okay. I went to the doctor and they're like, dude, your blood pressure, your cholesterol, you're 20 years old and they're skyrocketing. What's going on? 
So at the time, it was like the only thing I knew. It was actually a really good plan. I found Bill Phillips in Body for Life, and I started doing that. In the course of about a year and a half, I lost 60 pounds, right? Just being diligent. It was not rocket science. Lift weights three times a week, high intensity, and then you got three days a week of high intensity cardio, and then you watch your diet. Very, very simple and very, very effective. So start where you are. Don't be discouraged. Doesn't matter if you're frail. Doesn't matter if you're obese. Doesn't matter where you are. Start where you are. Start today. Finally, the last thing I'll I'll tell you is don't get fancy, right? Don't take the false first step. So many people think this. Well, if I'm going to start running, but first I got to buy that $900 triathlon watch. No, you don't. Pick the least barrier to entry. Start with the easy time-tested method. Start with push-ups. Start with sit-ups. Start with pull-ups, right? Running. Number two, so first is really regimented physical discipline. Number two is start tracking your caloric intake and macros. Now, this is going to be different for different people. Some of you are frail and you want to add muscle. Some of you are overweight or obese and you want to lose body fat. But if you use an app, and the one I use, I recommend it's pretty good, is called MyFitnessPal. The MyFitnessPal app, it's free. You can download this and you can set your own goals. If you want to gain weight, you want to lose weight, whatever it is, you can set your goals. It'll give you calorie ranges for what you should be eating each day. It's going to help you track your food through a food database. It's got a really handy barcode scanner on your cell phone. So you can scan the the food label on the back where the nutrients are, and it'll just input that data automatically into your phone. This allows you to track calories as well as macros. You might ask, what is a macro? Well, this is going to be your, your protein, your carbohydrates, and your fat. And so to keep those in the right order, the program, MyFitnessPal, will help you track those as well. You can enter your goal weight, your activity level, and the app is going to uh, track all of this for you. It makes it very, very easy to track food and calories. Now, here's what I'll say about diet. There's so many plans out there. Look, I've been on almost every one of them from paleo to you name it. South Beach diet doesn't matter. Bottom line, you need to eat a majority of protein, especially if you're a man. Okay. So less carbs, more protein and healthy fats. Okay. Not potato chips, olive oil. And if you're like me, I'm a bacon lover. Have yourself some bacon. Okay. So you need to keep the macros right. And then you need to keep under a certain calorie range, particularly if you're trying to lose weight. Okay, it's just very, very simple math. Figure out what you weigh now, right? You've got a BMI calculator. um, And then you need to figure out how do I eat in a deficit so that I lose body fat and maintain as much of my muscle mass as humanly possible. Okay, so it does not have to be rocket science. I'd encourage you to check out that app. Number one was your body physically. Make sure that you get regular exercise. Number two was tracking caloric intake and macros. And number three, do work that makes you sweat. I think one of the problems when we talk about physical strength is that we immediately go to exercise. Exercise is really good. But as we said, Genesis 2.15, one of the purposes for strength is real physical work. 
So this can be found in a number of ways. If you work a desk job, then you can put an addition on your house and do the work yourself. You can pull an engine block. You can do work on your car, right? There's many creative ways you can find to use your body for physical work. And I promise you, it's, it's going to bring joy. Like in our culture, we're allergic to physical work and we always relegate it to um, lower class of people. It could be black people. That's what it was at one time with slavery. But now we just farm it out to Latinos, other immigrant classes. Why? Because we, we hate hard work. And so it's something that we need to learn how to love. Men were made to work by the sweat of your brow. And so we need to find ways to do this. The other thing is it's going to test your strength in ways that you can't foresee. I remember I have a 99 Forerunner. I put a lift, a three-inch lift on my truck. I redid all the front-end components. It was like three physical, grueling days in the garage with my brother. And man, I tell you, I would wake up every morning and I was sore in places that I didn't know I even had muscles or tendons or whatever. My body ached, you know, just from turning a wrench in awkward positions and for, you know, sitting under a piece of part of the vehicle and lifting up CV joints and stuff like that. Um, it was so good for my body. So the more you work in different ways, the more you're going to stress your body and that stress is going to create growth in the long term. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Hard Men Podcast. I hope it's encouraging and I hope you're inspired to get stronger and to harden your body as a man so that you can be a better worker and a better warrior. Until next time, men, stay frosty, fight the good fight, act like men.